Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. Bible. Let's uh, look at Proverbs 31. Through the years, uh, as I think about Mother's Day, we're going to take a little break from our Ecclesiastes in honor and tribute to our mothers uh, and look at what God has ordained and established uh, this great, wonderful, sweet gift of motherhood. We're going to look at Proverbs 31. And through the years, as I think about it, as uh, I pre had the joy of preaching on this, I, I, uh, I seem to return to this. I'm driven back to this passage that, uh, that, is, uh, it, it, that is for us a, a great uh, uh, description of, of God's role of the godly mother in the home. And, in the, uh, and so uh, uh, in, in a fresh study of it, I, I worked on Hannah, and yes, yeah, she's a godly prayer warrior. I thought about Ruth, and she's certainly a great example uh, of godliness. I thought about Eve this week. Uh, and thought about other mothers, but uh, in the midst of it, and the prayer was driven back to this uh, wonderful text again. So uh, there must be a reason for us to revisit it, and the Lord burned my heart for it again. And so I've entitled the message, The Beautiful Mother, uh, Proverbs 31. Let's read the text. It's short uh, in verses 10 to the end of the uh, uh, chapter, which is the end of the book, Proverbs 31, verse 10. Uh, the text says, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark and she provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and she buys it, and out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously, and her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy, when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gates where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and she supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned, and
and gutter works bring her praise at the city gate. Well, that's a wonderful description of this most fascinating creature called mother. Wife and mother. She's a wife, but happens to be a mother. Well, Mother's Day is God's idea. It's his idea. He planned it. He knew that uh, we would need it. And uh, it's his idea. She is often the gift of love and care for us. And we thank the Lord for it. I'm reminded of the words of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, he, he said, All that I am, I owe to my angel mother. That about does it, doesn't it? That says it all. Well, someone said, Behind every great man is a good woman. But someone corrected him, probably it was his mother, said, Behind every great man is an even greater woman, which is not bad. I'd like to ask, who's been the greatest influence in, in your life? When you think uh, through all the different people that have been an influence and a blessing in your heart and life through these, uh, some of you, through these many years. Uh, what about a teacher? Some of you would say, well, you know, there's this teacher, that professor or instructor that really stands out. What a blessing they were to me. Others of you might say a friend. Where would I be without uh, that friend? You know, a, a, a godly gift of friendship. Others might say, well, it's, uh, it's, my, it's my spouse, my mate. Well, USA Today conducted a poll not too many years ago, and the question was put to more than 4,000 adults. According to the poll, the person who was most influential was that of mother. It's no surprise when professional athletes are interviewed, right? And they score a touchdown, they win the Super Bowl, and they're going to go to Disney. It's, hi, Mom! I never see him say, hi, Dad. I'm not sure why that is. But it's always, hi, Mom, right? And I think that sort of says it all, doesn't it? You should know that in May the 8th, 1914, just about 100 years ago now, uh, for the public expression of love, uh, I, I, President uh, Woodrow Wilson signed into law that the second Sunday in May, that's today, uh, be for two things, the, the displaying of the American flag, and second, for the public expression of love and reverence for the mothers of this country. That's when it all began, uh, as a national uh, day that was set apart for the honoring of uh, mothers. And uh, we praise God for that. It's appropriate for us today to honor our mothers. We love you, Mom. We thank you. Thank you for believing in us. <laughs> when most of the world walked out, you, most moms walk in or they stay there. Amen? It's really true. We bless you and honor you today. Don't give up on so many of us. Some of you may be tempted to do that. That's it, 490 you know, seven times 70 in the, in the Gospels. But you've never given up, and we thank you for it. Thank you for all that you are. You're the radiance of Christ to us in all that you do. You really are servants. What a gift. What a gift. Did you know in the, uh, the early days when this was first a National Recognition Day and to honor mothers in our country, that the custom was for folks to wear white carnations to honor their departed mother. Did you know that? 
they wore white carnations, and if mom was still living, they wore red carnations. And that went on for many, many decades of time. Well, the book of Proverbs closes paying the highest tribute to this excellent, noble, virtuous, wonderful woman uh, who also happens to be a mother. She's absolutely beautiful. You might say from A to Z, she's beautiful. She's priceless. Uh, Some of you know your your grammar better than others. It's written, uh, the book of Proverbs is poetry, and it's written in in an acrostic, which means that each, uh, each verse here in our English Bible uh, has a succeeding cons- consecutive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And, uh, and so in, in structure and in content, really, God would have us to note that she's really a, a beautiful, wonderful thing, this thing called uh, mother, the beautiful mother from A to Z. She is a rare, rare find. And in fact, if you look at verse 10, a wife of noble character, this virtuous woman, depending on your translation, who can find it? doesn't mean that it's impossible to find. It means that she's a rare gem. She's a rare beauty. In fact, she is worth far more than rubies. And that day, rubies were the most sought-after, exquisite thing on the planet. So what he's saying is she's worth more than anything here on earth. And we ought to think about her just that way, the gift of our mothers. Well, four qualities of this beautiful mother calling us to sound forth her praises, for she is indeed a rare beauty to behold, worth more than, as I said, anything on earth. I'm going to change the order and look at verse 30. We note the first quality first, that she is a woman who fears the Lord. And this is foundational to her life. She is a woman who fears the Lord. Now, it's not a sense of trembling. There are those that need to fear God because they don't know him as their children. But this woman is not that. She reveres him. She stands in awe of God, of his greatness, and all that he has done. And it's foundation, foundational to all that she is. Uh, Look at verse 30, charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting. But a woman, this woman, who fears the Lord, well, she's the one that's to be praised. Why is that? Well, the Lord is the center of her life. It's the very center of her being. And because of that, she has learned to trust him completely and totally. Well, A, this godly mother is not fooled by the, the deceptive powers of charm. In a day in which we live in that's so veneer and so plastic, you know, it's about yay deep, skin deep. Um, charm is, seems to be everything. Pleasing personality without much deep down inside. Well, that's not this mother that God holds up for us and for you, Mom. She's not uh, deceived by that. Well, this charm that the writer is talking about is only the veneer of a pleasing personality. Many are fooled by this. Charm school and the like. But not this woman. She sees through that and knows there's much more to her being than simply being a, having a pleasing personality, being most liked and well thought of. Those things are important in their place, but they're not the, the, the great... Uh, 
reason for living for her. She is not tricked by it. B, though she cares about her appearance, and she does, and we appreciate that, we do, she does not allow physical beauty to occupy the center of her world. She doesn't do it. She takes care of herself, of course, but uh, again, it's not simply her physical appearance. It's much deeper than that, much more than that. Why? Why is that? Why? Because she knows that such beauty is, fades like the flowers. It's fleeting. Beauty is fleeting. It is. Faith and I enjoy planting uh, you know, some bushes. The azaleas are just beautiful this time of year, and our irises are coming up, and Faith does her geraniums and all our beautiful things around. We love that and enjoy that for the months that we have here. And they're beautiful. They are just beautiful. But, you know, fall comes too soon. And, and all of these are just about gone for the season. It's here. We enjoy it. But it fades so quickly and the petals drop. I was sorry to see that. We have a neighbor around the corner. Jimmy, it's, it's over near you guys. He has this, uh, they have uh, these cherry trees that go up this driveway. And it is something to behold. They hang over the driveway and they were in full glory this last week. And in fact, I kept meaning to get, take my camera when I went by to take the beauty of those. Be- I mean, and, and when they, all the petals came down, lined the whole driveway. It looked like we should have a bride walking down to her, her handsome groom to be married. I mean, it, <laughs> it was more beautiful than any wedding where they, you know, the little girl throws the petals and all that kind you can't believe the thousands of these. But it, it's gone. It's gone. And, and, and this beautiful, godly mo- a woman who's a mother realizes that uh, that's not the be-all, end-all of life and that the flower of her youth will, will pass. I feel sorry for those that focus and center their lives on that in a culture that is so pagan and so thin and has screwed up values that when that fading when that fades then what's left it really shows a, a society whose morals are upside down it doesn't it doesn't fool this godly woman that's not what enamors enamors uh, she's not enamored with but uh, she is far deeper than that though she cares for herself one has said Though the years might mark her body, her beauty in the Lord only grows greater. Well, other things are far more important, like what? Her character, her godliness, the inside out, is far, far more important than that. Rather, this woman is a, this mother is a woman who knows the Lord as her Savior, and she loves His Word. She has come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether as a young girl or whether older, maybe an adult woman, maybe later in life, she's come to realize that she's a sinner, that Christ died to save sinful men and women, that there's something she must do. She must believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and she must receive him, not only for women and for mothers, it's for each one of us, to, uh, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Scriptures tell us that, and she has done that. I'm so thankful when I hear the story of my own mother when she was nine years old. She was 
taken by a next-door neighbor to a Sunday school class. And bit by bit, she heard the gospel, and she had the godly influence of a, a godly grandmother, and uh, she came to saving faith. My father was not saved uh, for all those years until just before he died. It was my mother. It was my mother who was the key player in my life. It was her. When the babies started to come, she was burdened to, uh, to take the uh, babies to church and, and have uh, them dedicated to the Lord. Each one of them, all seven of them. I was the second of seven. and I was sitting next to her the day uh, when I finally heard the gospel as a young boy for the first time there in church. I didn't respond, but asked her questions later about it. And following the next week, I opened, uh, the Lord opened my heart, and I trusted Christ the Lord as my Savior. It's my mother I talked about with all that. Someone has said, you can have an old stick for a, mother, for a dad. And that's not true, but I get the point. If you have a wonderful mother, you, you'll make it. You'll do all right. Now, it's great to have both barrels, right? Not like a shotgun, Aaron. But if you have both working for you. But the influence of a mother, and that's predominantly, it tends to be so when the children are younger. I see it even in my granddaughter's life. It's Greg and Sarah, but it's really Sarah trying to care for her little Taylor. And now all that's on, it's her life. She wraps her life around that and caring for that. Others, other things as well, but when there's so little, it takes so much. It's like wet cement, right? And she's putting her fingerprints all over that wet cement praying diligently, and so are we, that when Taylor grows, that she'll be a woman of beauty and something to behold, even like her mother, if a dad can say that. She is a wonderful mother. She takes after her mother and her mother's mother. Wow, isn't that great? Well, she's come to saving faith. God's wonderful word has formed her character. She fears the Lord. She's truly beautiful from the inside out. Such a thing as real real beauty and we we grew up telling our daughter that you know she was very she's very pretty girl we'd be out eating a hamburger somewhere and people would stop oh you your daughter you're so beautiful you could be a you know you could be in movies and you could be in in uh you could be a mod and i said thank you no thank you bless the lord for you but and then we talked to her Beauty is not the outside, dear. It's the inside. It's the heart. It's the heart. That's what makes you beautiful. And we worked on that, worked on that, prayed about that, and even to this day. And this woman is like that. She's beautiful from the inside out. I'll tell you this. Uh, I've seen it so many times through the years. Godly women who love the Lord, truly love the Lord, into the world's way of thinking, may be quite plain physically. But there's a glow and a beauty there that makes them truly beautiful. That's real beauty. It really is. That's this woman. Why? She's a woman who fears the Lord. The great uh, preacher G. Campbell Morgan, some of you may be acquainted with that name. He preached in a generation ago now. Some of his books and sermons are still in print. But he had four sons, and they all became, all four became ministers of the gospel. And one time at a family reunion, a friend asked uh, one of the sons, so which Morgan, which Morgan is the greatest preacher? With his eyes beaming with delight, the son looked over to his father and said, why, 
his mother. She's the greatest preacher of all. And I understand that, right? For the godly mother has her own little congregation. And sometimes they get to be a big congregation. And she is always there preaching. And usually never takes up an offering. Preaching, preaching, preaching. Sometimes we say that at home, don't we, David? Mom, mom's preaching here again. G. Campbell Morgan's son was just right. Boy, boy, don't we need that? Isn't that a blessing? Well, the second quality we see in our text is uh, that makes her beautiful, this woman, is she is so good to her man that he counts her as his best asset. And look at verses 11 and 12 particularly. There are others, but look at verse 11. Her husband has full confidence in her, and he lacks nothing of value. She brings him good not harm, all the days of her life. There are other verses, but let's just stop there. She's utterly dependable and supportive of him, and he needs it. He needs it, amen? Don't we need it, men? We're a disaster waiting to happen. She's a tremendous example to her children in this. A, her husband's confidence in her is total, this godly woman from this glorious passage. He trusts her. Why? Because she's trustworthy and she's proven it over and over and over again. Her careful household management even enhances their family's wealth. She's careful with her expenditure and budgeting and the way she runs the household. She has proven it over and over again. Verse 11, he lacks nothing of value. She is to him, one man writes, a perpetual spring of nothing but good. Wow. She lives in such a way that honors her husband's leadership. She recognizes that uh, though both are equal and joint heirs in the things of Christ, stand in equal footing, side by side in the grace of God, that God has ordained uh, the man to be the leader in the home, and that she stands by him and supports him and helps him and, uh, in all the many, many ways that he needs help. Most men are not uh, able to do more than one thing at, uh, at a time. And one of the things that has absolutely amazed me is to watch Faithy do three or four things all at the same time and to do them very well. I can't do that. I can't do it. I, can't. I, I don't know how you bake a meal, uh, clean up the kitchen, set the table, run the laundry, do this, do that, making a list, doing this and that. I just, like, it exhausts me. It does. I think we're, I know we're we're wired differently, men and women, but uh, I marvel at the differences, and I appreciate that so much, honey, in all that you do, and uh, and and we do. Wow. Well, B. She sees. Um, well, one other thing. She is obviously aggressive and competent. From our passages, we've read it. She functions in a way that honors her husband's leadership rather than denigrating it. But B, she sees herself as the one who supports her husband and undergirds him. She's willing to live for him. No wonder she's such a treasure, according to God's wonderful word. She's a source of encouragement. He needs her words. He needs her adoration. He needs her respect. The rest of the world may not notice him, may not care, but she does. And he knows that. And he's so thankful for her, this uh, this man who's married to such a woman as this. Wow. 
However, uh, she does more than just speak uh, kind words. She's just not on the bench. She gets involved. She rolls up her sleeves, and she's into the thick of it, not only with words, but with her action. She, uh, she's really something. She's amazing. She's his greatest asset. She's never a liability, according to this text. With her, her husband is truly wealthy. Truly, truly wealthy. Wealthy, I say to you. She's this rare gem. Wealthy. And when, uh, men, you add up your assets and liabilities, some of you are accountants and uh, know that better than others, some in financial you know what that is. You, you add up, I guess, on this side, all the, all the things that have some worth in your portfolio. If you have anything left in your home, the value there, or retirement, or 401 or 403, or uh, personal possessions and whatnot, right? Don't forget to include the greatest asset you have, and that's your wife, this woman. She's your greatest asset. When it's all said and done, if she's saved, you'll leave it all behind. And when you're done, it all goes back into the box. And if she's saved, you'll enjoy heaven with her forever. That's it. She is that. That's this woman that uh, God is elevating and putting on a plateau for us here this morning. But having said that, man, let me give you some help here. I read this in the Reader's Digest. What not to buy your wife. Okay, hopefully you remember, didn't walk in here thinking, this is like every other day, you're in deep trouble if uh, you forgot. But uh, here's the article, what not to buy your wife. Although the only person a man usually shops for is his wife. You know, that's pretty true. I mean, faith he buys my clothes too, that's how bad it is. The whole experience, men, may be an, a stress, stressful one for, uh, for you as you shop for your your wife. Many a man has felt extreme frigid temperatures, according to this article, for a long period based on a poor present decision. The author writes, as a veteran of these wars, I'm still not sure what to buy my wife, but I'll pass on to you what not to buy her, for I've learned this. Number one, don't buy anything that plugs in. <laughs> anything that requires electricity is seen as far too practical. Forget the toaster. Uh, forget the appliances. I mean, I said that once to Faith. We got a new Maytag. She said, well, you didn't get me. I said, oh, I got you a clothes washer. That was not a good thing for me to say at that point. That, <laughs> nothing that plugs in, even a 220 on a dryer. Forget that. Number two, don't buy, uh, don't, this writer writes, don't buy clothing that involves sizes. The chances are one in 7,000 that you'll get her size right, and your wife will be offended the other 999 times. Do I look like a size 16, she'll say? And too small a size doesn't cut it either, he says. I haven't worn a size 6 in 20 years. So the, the, Number three, avoid all things useful. Forget it. Forget it. The new silver polish advertised to save hundreds of hours is not going to win you any brownie points. Just forget that stuff, man. Number four, don't buy anything that involves weight loss or self-improvement. 
She'll perceive a six-month membership to a diet center as a suggestion that she's fat. Just stay away from that stuff. He's helping us here. Number five, don't buy jewelry. There's a surprise. I thought that was a good choice. But don't buy jewelry. Here's the reason, he says. The jewelry your wife wants, you can't afford. <laughs> and the jewelry you can't afford, she doesn't want. <laughs> there you go. Number six, just two more. And guys, do not fall into the trap, the traditional trap of buying her frilly underwear. Your idea of the kind your wife should wear and what she actually wears are light years apart. There's a tip, man. Number seven and last. Finally, don't spend too much. How do you think we're going to afford that, she'll ask. But don't spend too little. She won't say anything, but you'll think, is that all I'm worth? Reader's Digest. Well, she's good. She's so good to her man. He said, that's my best asset. She is great. Well, a third quality in verses 15, 21, 27 we see of this beautiful mother calling us to sound forth her praises as she denies herself by sacrificially caring for her children. Her great concern is to live for her children, her family, and to care for their needs. And this is her delight. Let's notice, look at verse 15. She gets up while it is still dark, and she provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. Let me stop right here. It was Jay Adams who said, you say, well, I don't have any servant girls. I don't have any help around the house. And Jay Adams said, yeah, you do. They're called Whirlpool, GE, Maytag. You think about it, all the appliances, and they don't talk back as long as they work. Our fridge didn't work this week. We had to get that fixed. And, uh, and anyway, but you have that. Verse 21 and when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. That's probably wool, and uh, they would uh, dye the, the wool into a scarlet. Verse 22, she makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. I put my Bible, Talbots, that's where Faithy works, Talbots, and, and so on. Uh, she denies herself. Well, hey, she's not lazy. She's the exact opposite. Rising early, she cares and attends to the needs of her own, even while it's still dark. And she sets a powerful example to her children. And you know what? They never get over it. They never forget about it. It's amazing to me that things are growing up, and that was many, many years ago, that uh, they come rushing back to me of my mom, of my dad, but my mom. So many things you think, well, that was nothing. You hardly think about it. And we forget most things, don't we? But it comes back to me over and over. And as I remember Faithy, when the babies are little and all that she did and all the hours, it comes back to me. And I just bless the Lord. And uh, we ought to do that, men. We ought to do that, ladies, for our mothers. They never get over it. They never get it out of their system. Uh, two, in her daily life, her family comes first. And her family is prepared for whatever. They are. Look at, she's not, in verse 21, they're not even afraid of when it snows. We're talking about a, a beautiful mother who lives in the greater Buffalo, New York area, where it snows uh, every, you know, six months of the year, so to speak, my home area. Uh, why? They're not uh, panicked. They're not concerned. Why? Because she's thought ahead. She's sacrificed so that she can give her children something a little bit better. They're in wool. They're 
in scarlet wool. It's beautiful. She cares for her children and uh, because she sacrifices for them. She, uh, in her daily life, her family comes first. She can laugh at the days to come. Why? She's the picture of confidence and optimism. Wow. Her primary concern is to live for her family. She may be juggling a lot of balls between work and home and all these things and pressed really thin. When, as Dottie said, she's at work, she's thinking about her family. When she's at home, she's thinking about work and other things. She's amazing to behold. She cares for her family and its primary even in her life, even ahead of her work. It's true. She's optimistic and confident because of uh, she's cared for them. She willingly denies herself by providing food and clothing for them. Wow. She spares no expense in protecting them. I remember a crazy day when I was a kid and my mother's friend did knitting and she knitted mittens. And she had this nifty idea because... Uh, we were always losing the ones we had. They put a string on it. Goes on. Do you ever see those? Crazy. I hated wearing those things, and I could never lose it. You know, to get it. So I had to keep. Wearing. Well, my mother made sure we had the heavy mittens there in Buffalo, and I didn't want to wear mittens either. I wanted to wear gloves like the rest of the guys. But mittens with a string. It's amazing. I probably that's why I went did wrestling, collegiate wrestling, because people make. You know, well, they. You know. Anyway. That was my mother. My mother thought it was a great idea. What's the problem, you know? <laughs> like an eagle, right? An eagle. You ever study the eagle, the vision of an eagle and the eagle's vision? The eagle can see with acute eyesight uh, hundreds and hundreds of feet away while the soaring up. That's the picture of this mother looking over her brood and caring for her loved ones. She cares for her family. She is the manager par excellence of the home. And they are so blessed to have her. So blessed. So blessed. A London editor submitted to Winston Churchill once for his approval a list of all of those who have been Churchill's teachers. Winston Churchill returned the list with a comment, and I've said this before, you've omitted to mention my greatest teacher, my mother. Right, rightfully so. A humorous story is told of a mother of three notoriously unruly children. She was asked whether or not she'd uh, have children if she had it to do all over again. She replied then with a smile. She said, yes. And then she twinkled and said, certainly I would, but not the same ones. <laughs> Maybe that's your family. Well, we can trade. We do the you know, musical chairs, have the music, and we can all just sort of trade up. The story is also told of a teacher who gave her class a, in second grade a lesson on the magnet and what it does. The next day, in a written test, she included this question. My, uh, my full name has six letters. The first one is an M. I pick up things. What am I? And when the test papers were turned in, the teacher was astonished to find out that Almost 50% of the students answered the question with the word mother. And then she adds, and they all got it right. Mother or magnet. She couldn't discount that. Well, she's a beauty to behold. She denies herself by sacrificially caring for her children. Fourth and last 
quality of this beautiful mother calling us to ring forth praises of this rare Jew. And that is that she is industrious, diligent, and productive in all her labors. Verses 13 to 14, 16 to 20. Let's just reread this a little bit again. 13, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like a merchant ship. That's a minivan, modern day. Bring your food from Wagmans or the Giant or Weiss Market or even further away. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family. Look at 16. Look at her industry. She considers a field and she buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor, extends her hands to the needy. She's industrious, diligent, productive in all her work. What a worker. A man, as Roger mentioned earlier, a man's work is from sun to sun. And aren't you glad of that, man? Aren't you glad? I find sometimes I have to get Faith out of the house and even out of town before she can relax. Out of town. I mean, if there's a, a movie on TV or something to watch, I, have, I end up finishing it. She's up doing something, three or four or five other things. And, uh, and so it's like voices that call out to her. And she's so driven to take care of all these things that I just want to flip a switch. Men, but we can easily flip switches, can't we? Whoop, there it is. I'm off work. Whoop, we come home. And they kind of marvel at us. They think we're machine-like, but we have to do it. You know, a woman's, a man's work is from sun to sun. But I changed it a little bit, Raj. But hers seems never to be done. And that seems to be the case. She finds joy in her work and does it eagerly. She has learned to enjoy her daily routine. She has discovered that. You know, whatever you and I do, we must find the joy in it. There is joy in it. Much of work is mundane and repetitive. It is. Some women think, well, my man has a glamorous job. He goes, well, most of it is repetitive. It is boring, as the kids say, right? You and I, but this mother, she finds joy in it. There's joy in serving and doing a job well, even if it's repetitive. She's anything but idle. She's an excellent shopper. Maybe she coupons. She knows where the best deals are, and she secures that for her family. She gets the best buys. And see, she even runs this little business, and she makes a profit. She's hardworking and, and earns a bottom line. And with that, uh, not for herself, although she uses it for her family, she looks around others that may have need. And she's so big-hearted and generous and kind that she cares for those in need and provides uh, even out of her own earnings for those that are less fortunate, as she would say. She's profitable because she works hard and doesn't stop at nightfall. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She speaks with wisdom. It's on her tongue, verse 26. And finally, verse 30, it's no wonder that her husband, her family, they, they respond because of this godly woman who has blessed their lives. They rise up and bless her, and they praise her. Charm, verse 20. 28 says, her children arise and they bless her. 
her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you, you have surpassed them all. Verse 31, give her the reward she has earned, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Lessons for our life, and we'll be done number one. All of us should openly praise our mothers as God's special gift. Every one of us. You say, well, we're not very verbal, or we don't. Well, get over it. Grow up. Do something. Be verbal. Maybe if it really doesn't come, write it out. Write a letter. Make a phone call. And express your love and your deepest appreciation for your mother. Say, well, my mom wasn't everything, or my mom was hard, or my mom was absent. And I know we all have different stories. And sometimes Mother's Day, as Dottie mentioned, is, is hard. It's hard for some that know their mom. And some mothers abu- were abusive, and some moms were absentee there, but not really. And some were. But uh, don't let that form it. You grow up, and you be the one. You be the initiator. You be the one that reaches out. And even if it's not a great story, find something there to give praise and thank because it's uh, God's gift to you. It was your mother. And we're all sinners and need to be saved by grace. And none of us are perfect. And some of us are worse than others, right? We needed more discipline. Amen, Aaron? I mean, you said your mother beat you. I know you didn't mean beat, but disciplined you. Mm-hmm. And so did mine. And I didn't, I'm here to say I didn't nearly get what I deserved. They still owe me. I'm not going to remind her. <laughs> when the paddle, the wooden paddle started breaking, when she swatted my brother and I, and we had to hold back the laughter, the words always were, your father's coming home. That still gives me a little nervousness. I don't know why. But let's tell our mothers how much she means to us. Let's do that today. Make some phone calls. You know, today's the busiest day for Bell, Bell Telephone, Verizon, the old Bells. The busiest long-distance day is today. And I don't know how they measure that with cell phones today, but they do. Number two, number two, ladies, to be this beautiful woman, I remind you, you must be first saved. You're under the penalty of sin. All of us are, men, women, boys, and girls. We're born that way. All have sinned, the Bible says, and fall short of the glory of God. And God has cared for the price of that sin. You must be saved. You must receive Christ the Lord as your Savior. Through a simple prayer of faith, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I receive you as my Savior. I thank you for dying in my stead. You must be saved. This woman fears the Lord. She's a godly woman because of it, and so must you, moms. Must So must you dads, all men, single, all singles, all teens. You must be saved. So I urge you, it's a command. God tells us, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a, an imperative. You must. Number three, ladies, uh, strive to be this woman where she is fulfilled and satisfied. When we hear today an awful lot about uh, not very fulfilled and this and that, And it was thought for many, many years to find fulfillment, you must leave the home. And that drum beat was beat for about three decades now. Must leave the home, must leave the home, must leave the home. Now there are a lot of ladies that that followed that Pied Piper message and found that uh, to the detriment of their family, they left the home and said, what am I doing? I'm not so sure that was right. Well, 
This woman, she's industrious, she works, she has work outside her home, but her focus, primary and all, is the center of her life, next to the Lord is her family. And if you'll live that way, it will be a fulfilling, a satisfying life. It will be, will be. That's how God wired you and made you. You're so many of you, so relationally minded. God designed you that way. Men typically aren't that way. We need to be more, but we're not. But you are. This woman is fulfilled and satisfied and blessed. Number four, two more, just number four. Men, call upon you to help your wives become this beautiful woman. She needs your help. She needs your help in a crazy day in which we live in. She needs your daily encouragement. Some of you have been absent men, and you need to leave and cleave, some of you from your mother, and, uh, and it's your wife who's a mother now. Encourage her. Make money available. She needs to buy some resources. Uh, give her time in the Word and time. Encourage her. Tell her the things you admire about her and the godliness you see. Encourage her as she cares for the children. I encourage her with these things. She needs it. And I know you will. Number five and last. Men, when you add up all your assets, I say this, don't forget your greatest. Don't forget it. It's not just stuff numbers on paper. That's not it. That all burns up. It all burns up. It all burns up. Or it goes in your gas tank. <laughs> That's it. It's your wife. It's your wife, and she's a godly mother, then God has favored you and blessed you. Well, that's the beautiful mother. What a portrait. What a picture. I said before, uh, the uh, Whistler's mother, I don't know if you ever saw her portrait. She's something to behold. I mean, she's, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. But this woman here, she is beautiful. We love you, Mom. Thank you for all you do. We honor you today. May God strengthen you and bless you and encourage you. Don't quit. Don't give up. Amen? Don't. Keep at it. Let's stand and be dismissed.